Hey everyone, it's Jeannie, Little Kraken Mountain Mama Health Nut. Welcome back to Throw Out the Trash. If you're following my episodes, I apologize for getting this one out a little bit late, a couple days late. I had a couple of technical difficulties with my laptop. Finally got it fixed. Thank goodness for IT guys. Uh, And if this is your first time listening, then welcome. The beef industry has been heavily criticized the last 10 years or so. Some want cows completely eliminated from the planet. Others say beef is essential for our very existence. Well, which is it? Is beef healthy for you to consume? Or should you completely throw it out of your diet? So I'm going to talk about this in two different episodes. Today is part one, and in my All Things Health segment, I'm going to discuss the argument against eating beef, and then talk about feedlots, and that's where most beef is processed. And in my next episode for part two, I'll discuss the argument for eating beef, and then give you my overall opinion. I think my answer might surprise you. And then keep listening after the first segment to my second segment I call Mountain Adventures, where I share a true story about everyday life on the Enbaro Ranch in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. And I really mean it. Something is always going on that makes you wonder, how in the world did that happen? But first, do you remember the commercial Where's the Beef that Wendy's had in the 80s? Well, just where is it? This is a topic that hits closer to home for me. Since my husband and I are cattle ranchers, we've been watching the debate the last several years about whether or not beef is healthy for you, because it affects our livelihood and can make or break a person if you're not careful. Our cattle are, of course, grass-fed with no antibiotics or growth hormones added, but is beef still healthy for you? Some say no, and others say yes, so let's talk about it. And hopefully by the end of the next two episodes, you'll be able to make an informed decision when it comes to your own health. Those against beef say not only is it bad for your health, but it's also bad for the environment. In an article by clevelandclinic.org, and it was titled, Is Red Meat Bad for You? It starts right off the bat that choosing white meat or vegetarian options are your best bet for living an overall healthier lifestyle. Now, why do they say this? They claim it can potentially cause cancer. Now, why is that? And first I should say here that they lump red meat together and include pork, lamb, veal, and beef, because they all produce red-colored meat. But as I'm reading this article, as far as the cancer-causing issue, they said it's because you're eating processed meats like bacon. And bacon warrants a whole episode on its own. So is beef itself a problem? Let's look further. They also say beef has been linked to high cholesterol, which eventually leads to cardiovascular disease. They say it also costs more, And this is true. Strange when I see how much it is in the store. And lastly, the article said that raising cattle significantly impacts the environment because, and I'm going to quote here, they say that more than 30% of grains grown in the world are fed to cattle. I'm not sure how that is a problem in and of itself. But anyway, then they go on to say, and I'm going to quote again, cattle themselves produce significant amount of greenhouse gases, end quote. Another article I found from sentientmedia.org, and it was titled, Explainer, Why is Beef Bad for the Planet?, says that they're concerned about global emissions and its effect on global warming. And they say it all comes down to burps and land. So let's first talk about the burps. Now, cows have four stomachs, and through the process of the food traveling through all four stomachs, methane is released. And the article said, and I quote, Methane is an exceptionally potent greenhouse gas, having 80 times the warming power in the first 20 years of its release uh, into the atmosphere as compared to carbon dioxide. Methane disperses or breaks down faster than carbon dioxide, 
but it also does more damage while it's here, end quote. But they also said, when my reading the article further, that in the atmosphere it has a short lifespan, the methane. So if it has a short lifespan, how can it cause so many problems? And these are just questions to ask yourself. Let's talk about the land. Why would they say this is a reason not to eat beef? The article goes on to say that 77% of global farmland goes to raising cattle, and that as the human population increases, there's a higher demand for more land to be used for the cattle. They cite the problem saying that tropical rainforests and grasslands are being cleared and ruined. And how is this? Well, they gave two reasons. They said clearing the land releases carbon from the ground into the atmosphere, and second, it destroys habitats for biodiverse species. And lastly, the article says, and this is where I was getting skeptical about when I was reading the article, they say that ranching increases the risk and likelihood of the next pandemic. And I'm not sure how or why they didn't say. They didn't give me any reasons. But they also went on to say that ranchers abuse antibiotics, that they kill 300 million cows. Now, how else do you get beef into the stores, number one? And I thought they said cows that are alive are bad for the environment. And then they say it causes physical and emotional trauma for workers, but they didn't say how. Basically, what they're saying is if we all stopped eating beef, it would help global warming. These are all interesting facts. What they really want us to do is just quit eating beef and eat plants. Which, by the way, plants take in carbon dioxide, right? Which they claim causes global warming. And then the plant gives off oxygen, which every breathing, living human, animal, and organism needs to survive. So that's just food for thought. Now, feedlots have also been scrutinized, mainly for what the cows are fed and given. In an article by BigBeefPitchers.com, it was titled, Feedlot Beef. It states that while cows usually start out on grass, later on they're given corn. And they claim that corn is an unnatural food and it sickens them. Now, my first thought to this claim is that corn is considered a grain, a fruit, and a vegetable, depending on what stage it's in. And none of these are actually bad. But anyway, on to what else the article said. They claim because of the cow's diet, they can pass on to humans through the meat. E. coli bacteria, mad cow disease, a resistance to antibiotics. This doesn't make any sense to me, but anyway, they can pass on growth hormones. And then they also said that the beef has an unhealthy ratio of omega-6 to omega-3s. And then they also said that glyphosate, which is found in Roundup, that's used to grow the corn can be passed on through the meat. Now, I realize that a lot of these claims can make you feel like you want to stay away from beef altogether, because after all, according to them, our environment is in jeopardy. But if it doesn't sound logical to you, then it's probably not true. You know, use your own judgment. You're just as smart. No, you're smarter. Because you see, beef is actually loaded with nutrients, and I'm going to talk about this more in part two. But before I go, let's talk about the methane issue and the land problem. So I know the cows are not the only source of methane, nor the main source of methane released into the atmosphere. When I researched it, Britannica.com said that the major natural source of methane comes from anaerobic bacterial decomposition of vegetable matter underwater, mainly in wetlands. Methane is also produced by termites, volcanoes, vents in the ocean floor, methane hydrate deposits that occur under Antarctic ice. And methane can also come from natural gas and coal production, 
as well as waste management where bacteria produce methane as they decompose sludge in waste treatment facilities and decaying matter in landfills. So to say that eating beef is the main problem is ludicrous. But of course, you know, the cows are blamed. How about the feedlots? Well, I know for a fact that not all feedlots operations are the same. I'm not saying that all of them have safe operations, but most of them do. There's a feedlot at the Lazy Tea Ranch in Wyoming, and they wrote an article that describes the entire process of their operation from the beginning to the end, and it's a great article if you want to read it. You can find that at www.lazytv.com, and it's titled Cattle Feedlots, What Are They and How Do They Work? And I want to use part of this article because it explains that cows that are fed grains produce more body weight and they grow faster, and this means less overall costs. Cows are also given what's called ionophores and beta agonists, and these are antimicrobials that improve nutrient availability, feed efficiency, and weight gain. And listen to this. These antimicrobials, they reduce methane production, lower the risk of bloat and acidosis, and prevent disease. So as you can see, many feedlots do take precautions and do their very best they can to produce high-quality meat. So as I end this segment, I hope you understand the against argument about beef. It was really hard for me to keep my opinion out of it. But in part two, I'll give the health benefits of beef, because there's a lot. And I'll also talk about why store-bought beef tastes different than the beef you buy from your butcher and how to know if you're buying good or bad beef and where you should purchase it. And then, of course, I'll give my opinion if you haven't figured it out already what it is. Well, I hope you found this All Things Health segment helpful. Please share it with one person who you think would benefit from it. And please hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And I'm excited to share that my podcast is now on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, welcome. And then please hit the subscribe button. Now, I want to move on and share my true story that happened on our cattle ranch. It's time now for Mountain Adventures. My husband Nick and I live in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. And over the years, I've been able to capture photos of the stunning beauty that surrounds us. And you can view these photos and purchase them on my website, mountainadventures.smugbug.com. This site helps to fund my podcast, and a portion of the proceeds goes to the Nest Pregnancy Care Center. And you can learn more about this on the website, and I'll have that in the show notes. But now on to my story. A heavy snowstorm was forecasted. One to two feet of snow was predicted with 40 to 60 mile per hour winds, a true blizzard with a possibility of a snow squall. If you've ever been in a snow squall, it's a complete whiteout. It's like trying to walk with a piece of white paper stuck on your face. You can't see a thing. Our daughter Katie, who lives in Utah, was staying with us for a few days. She debated as to whether or not she should drive the four hours home after a few stops in town. She didn't want to be snowed in something that happens a lot here at the Enbaro Ranch. But she decided to come back to the ranch and wait the storm out. The storm was scheduled to arrive that afternoon. Enough snow had fallen already that my husband Nick needed to plow our two-mile road for Katie so she could drive her car to the highway and make it to town. After doing that, he decided he'd better go feed the cows before the brunt of the storm hit. I was in the house cleaning the kitchen up after breakfast, and Nick left on the tractor got onto the ice road, and made a three-quarter mile trek up the steep dugway and across the field to where he feeds the cows. He was gone for about two hours, but mission accomplished. Cows were fed, and he came back to the house, 
hoping to sit by the fire and have a cup of nice hot coffee. Outside, the storm was kicking up. The wind was blowing. It was a bad storm. His plan quickly changed as he parked the tractor and realized he didn't have his phone. He quickly came into the house to get it, but it wasn't there. So he knew he had taken it with him. He went out into the yard and retraced his steps. No phone anywhere. So he decided he must have lost it when he was feeding the cows. This wasn't good, since all of his contacts were on the phone. He bundled up in more snow clothes, grabbed the four-wheeler, our two dogs, Ben and Belle, and made his way back up the ice road to the cows. He was gone for about an hour and a half. Finally, he made it back to the house. Empty-handed. No phone. He decided it was a lost cause. The wind and blowing snow were creating snow drifts, and where he thought he'd lost it was where he fed the cows, and surely the cows had tromped the phone deeper into the snow. So it was official. He would have to buy a new phone. For me, panic set in. I didn't want him to go without a phone. How would I get a hold of him, or him, me? It would be several days before we could make it to town to buy a new one. So I pulled up the Find My Phone app on my phone, and it said, His phone was indeed up by the cows. Now, I really didn't want to go outside in the storm, and Nick really didn't want to go back out into the storm either. But after a few minutes of mulling it over, the decision was made. We would venture out into the storm and look for his phone. As we were bundling up in some warm clothes, Katie came through the door and immediately wanted to go with us. She's always up for some fun, she said. Fun, really? Well, somehow she knew this was going to be a mountain adventure. Katie and I didn't dress all that warm. After all, we were only going to be gone a half an hour or so, and here at the house the storm had seemed to let up. But the forest of pine trees, aspen trees, and sarvisberry bushes behind our house blocks the wind, so it can be deceiving. We slapped on a coat, insulated pants, a hat, and gloves. I did take some hand warmers with me, and I'm so glad I did. The three of us climbed onto the four-wheeler, but I didn't want to start again real well. It was starting to ice up and was covered with snow. When they got it started, and we were on our way, we were laughing and joking until we got to the top and headed out across the field, and then... All of a sudden, we were in the middle of a snow squall. Our faces stung from the wind and ice blowing. It felt like tiny needles hitting our face. I couldn't feel my lips, let alone talk. My whole body was chilled right down to the bones. Our faces were beet red from the snow hitting it. How Nick could see to get to the cows is still a mystery to me. It would have helped if we had eye protection, but we didn't. We finally made it to the horse trailer that was sitting near where he had fed the cows. Immediately, Nick and Katie went to where he thought he had lost it. He showed where he had parked the tractor, where he had walked, where he had cut the strings off of the hay bale. While they began searching, I pulled up the Find My Phone app again on my phone. However, this was my first time using it, so I didn't have a lot of details to go by just the outline of the field. So we began the search. Nick commented, This will be a one in a million chance if we ever find this phone. I agreed. The wind was blowing snow everywhere and the cows had trampled everywhere, not to mention the leftover hay they had left. They had went down into the trees to get out of the storm. 
You know, I used to think cows were dumb, but here we were out in the storm, and there they were, all nestled warm in the trees. They probably watched us and talked among themselves. What dopes? Don't they know how to get out of the storm? We were all getting discouraged. Katie commented that this was like finding a needle in a haystack, and I agreed. We searched for about a half an hour. We were getting so cold, no amount of shaking or walking would warm us up. So the decision was made this time to give up the search. We went back to the house defeated. All we wanted was some warm soup and a sandwich. As we sat in the dining area of the kitchen, we mulled over whether or not we should venture out again. I, for one, was not in favor. The storm was hitting us hard. I decided that I would just have to buy Nick a new phone. I pulled up the website for our phone carrier and tried to find a phone, but all it would show me was Apple Watches. It did cross my mind, well, at least he wouldn't lose it if it was strapped to his wrist. So I was outvoted. Katie had gotten onto the phone app again and was able to pull up more details like landmarks, fences, and even how much power the phone still had. Well, this inspired Nick. I'm staring at both of them like they had just lost their minds. I tried hard to gently persuade them not to do this. I calmly but firmly said, Have you looked outside? The blizzard was in full force now. Even the trees by our house couldn't prevent the snow from blowing. But this didn't deter them. They headed to the porch to put on snow clothes again, and I reluctantly followed. This time we put on double the clothes, and we each put on ski goggles. As I was tying my boots up, I thought it was necessary to mention one more time, in case they were listening, that I thought, well, we weren't going to find it anyway, just saying. But I think I was ignored. Well, I know I was. We made our way back to the four-wheeler, climbed on. But this time, our dog Ben decided he wanted to ride with us. He is older and was tired of going back and forth to the cows because, in his mind, the humans couldn't figure out what they were doing. This time, when we ventured out into the field, the storm hit us straight on. Not to worry this time, we had our goggles. However, deep snowdrifts had covered the ice road. It was nowhere to be found. We were spinning, trying to get the four-wheeler to go. Katie finally jumped off and pushed. Snow was being splattered all over her. Now, I would have jumped off also, but the dog was positioned perfectly on my lap, keeping me warm. I didn't want to mess that up. Well, we finally did make it to the cows. Katie pulled up the app on her phone. The app said the phone was farther from where we were looking. Nick said that wasn't possible. He hadn't even been over there. Nonetheless, we kept walking, and he was dragging his feet. But according to the app, the phone was farther away. After looking at the landmarks on the app again, we decided to keep walking. We were both skeptical. Then all of a sudden, Katie starts running. She'd seen a black strip in the snow. It was about four inches long and a half inch thick. She bent down and pulled Nick's phone out of the snow. We were like little kids. We started jumping around and high-fiving. The chances of us finding the phone really was like finding a needle in a haystack. The distance we had searched was about five acres. We all shared that we had said a little prayer earlier asking God to help us find the phone. He didn't disappoint. We eventually deducted that the phone must have fallen off of Nick's belt and landed on the step of the tractor. It had stayed on there until it had finally fell off. And how it was missing its case is still a mystery. And the phone still worked. We loaded Ben back onto the four-wheeler and was heading back to the house. We went about another hundred yards and all of a sudden Nick stopped. And I looked over and there in the snow was the phone case. 
smashed flatter than a pancake and frozen shut. How in the world did it get there? And how in the world did the phone fall off of the tractor first? This is still a mystery today. Well, we headed back for the house again, chatting as we went, about how God really had helped us. He made it so Katie had to stay at the ranch because of the storm. That way she would find the phone. And he wouldn't allow me to buy a new one. And just before we found the phone, the storm had let up so we would be able to see it. Annie tested my faith because I was adamant we were wasting our time, even though I had secretly sent up a small prayer. Once again, God is good. He still boggles our minds that not only did we find the phone, but we also found the case in the middle of a huge snowstorm. But hey, there's never a dull moment at the Enbarro Ranch. Well, remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. See you next time.